In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes into this world and enlightens us. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we had another long gospel reading. But it's, again, a really good story. It's this story that messes with your perception of how things are. It's this story that messes, especially with the disciples' perception, at the beginning. Because what happens is that at the beginning of this story, you have Jesus coming across this person who is a blind man, and he's been blind from birth. And the way that people would have understood people that were blind from birth is that their parents most often would have committed such a grievous sin, some sin that was so bad that they had a child who was born cursed or blind. And the way that they would understand other people who became blind is that they themselves had committed a sin that was so grievous, so horrible, that they became blind. And so, having this in their background, the disciples go to Jesus, their rabbi, and they say, Jesus, tell us, we see this man who was born blind, who sinned? Was it him, or was it his parents? Because in their construction of the world, that's the only way that that could have happened, is either that he sinned, or that his parents sinned. And Jesus says something that is honestly a little bit disconcerting. What Jesus says is, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. But rather, it was for the glory of God that this man was born blind. And of course, as Christians, once again, we come at this verse, and we've heard this verse several times throughout our lifetime, and we probably go, well, okay. I don't really understand how that works out, but okay. Jesus said, this guy, he was born blind so that the glory of God might be revealed, but I'm not really sure how that glory gets revealed. Because it doesn't make sense. And so we say, well... It must be that Jesus said that this guy was kind of set up as a patsy. (laughs) That God was like, well, I know that my son is going to be down in Galilee, and while he's down there, he's going to need to heal some people. And so in order for him to heal some people, I'm going to have to have some people that are set up for him to heal. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this blind man in my son's way, so that when he comes across him, after this blind man has lived so much of his life, that my son will be able to rub some mud on his eyes and do this little magic trick, and then people will like him. But that's really not what's happening here. Sure, God's glory was shown in the fact that Jesus came across this man and opened his eyes. But that was more of Jesus' compassion. In fact, what's really happening here is that Jesus is drawing a sharp contrast between seeing and not seeing, between being sighted and being blind. 
And that's really where the glory of God in this reading is found. It's not necessarily in the fact that Jesus had changed this blind man to be a seeing man. Although His glory was in that. Rather, His glory was more demonstrated in everything that happened after that. You see, when you continue to read through this story, it causes quite a scandal that Jesus had healed this blind man. And what causes the most scandal for the Pharisees is that He had healed him on a Sabbath day. The day when you were not supposed to do any work. And according to those Pharisees, that work included mixing mortar for any reason at all. And that is essentially what Jesus did for this blind man. He spits on the ground, he makes a paste in the mud, and he smears it on the blind man's eyes. And through that, he's already doing work, never mind the fact that he actually heals him through that by then sending him to the pool of Siloam and having him wash that off and he comes back seeing. It's a scandal because word gets out. And the Pharisees hear that this man has been made to see by a man who mixed some mud on a Saturday or for your understanding on a Sunday. It causes quite a scandal. And in fact, they bring the man in and they they say, Well, who did this? Who was it that did this to you? We want to know. Point him out. And of course, the blind man gets to say, Um, I was still blind at the time. I don't know. I have no idea who it was. He told me to go and wash in the pool of Siloam, and I did. And after that, I came back and I could see, but I had no idea who did this to me. And so, since he doesn't know, then they bring in his parents. And they ask his parents, is this really your son or is this just some imposter? Did they do like a switcheroo? Did you have twins? And the parents say, no, we know that that's our son, but we have no idea how he came to see And they had heard that it was this Jesus guy who had been going around and who had been making these claims of being the Messiah and already at this point doing things on Saturdays on the Sabbath that he shouldn't have been doing. And they knew that the Pharisees were kicking anybody who said that this guy was the Messiah. They were kicking him out of church. They were saying, you can't hang with us anymore. And they didn't want that. They wanted to come into the synagogue and have snacks on Sunday morning. And so they said, well, we don't really know. Why don't you ask our son? He's of age. Uh, We don't need to answer for him anymore. He can answer on his own. And you can probably understand the Pharisees' frustration at all of this when they say, fine, we'll go back to the blind guy who can see now. And we'll ask him again who this guy was. And when he gets gets brought back in in front of the Pharisees, the man who was formerly blind begins to get, well, a little spiky with them. He begins to say things like, well, why do you want to know what this guy looks like? Do you want to become his disciple? 
And the Pharisees shake their head and say, No, you're his disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We're the disciples that really matter. We're the disciples that really count. You're the disciple of this heretic who mixes mud on a Saturday and heals people. How dare he? And afterwards you have Jesus finding this man. This man who had no idea what he looked like. But probably knew the words that he would speak. Probably knew his voice. And when he heard that voice speaking to him, his ears probably perked up in excitement, knowing finally that this was the man who had enlightened him. The man who had opened his eyes and allowed light to hit his eyes in such a way that he he could then process that with his brain and understand things visually which he had never been able to do before in his life. And Jesus says to him that he has come in order that those who do not see, that they may see. And those who see, that they could be pointed out for who they really are. That they could be pointed out as blind, and as blind as what they really are. But as Christians, sometimes we take the role of the Pharisee, and we say, well, we're disciples of Jesus. We're disciples of Martin Luther. We're disciples of whoever you want to say you're a disciple of. But we don't see fully what it means for us to be followers of Jesus. What it means that we have Him enlighten us. And most of the times the thing that we're most blind to are those things that we just see every day. Those things that we take for granted. Those things that we forget to give God thanks for. None of these Pharisees got up that morning saying, Lord God, thank you that I woke up today and I could see. None of them. Probably none of you got up this morning saying, Lord God, thank you for the fact that when I get up in the morning and I do this, the oxygen goes into my lungs and then that oxygen is then separated out and goes into my bloodstream and from there it goes into so many different places and different organs and tissues that I can live. And then that you get up from that place and that you take a shower and you don't even think about how the water gets to you and how it gets there hot. Or how you get up in the morning and you go to the breakfast table, maybe here, and you eat that food and it tastes so good going down, but then on top of that it also helps to power this system that God has given to you. And that you come into these chairs and you confess your sins and instead of God saying, I hate you all, I'm sending bolts of lightning to kill everyone. He says, I forgive you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And later on, gives you His very body and His very blood so that you may be made whole again. The things 
that we see mean the world to us. Whether that's seeing with our eyes or seeing conceptually. Seeing and understanding the grace of God that is given to us. And when we practice seeing those things better, we're given the glory of God. We're given a fuller understanding of that glory. That there was somebody who loved you so much that He died on a cross for your sins. So that it wouldn't just be today that you were able to take a deep breath and experience that feeling of oxygen hitting your lungs. It isn't just today that you're able to take a sip of coffee and enjoy caffeine for all of the wonderful goodness that it is. It wasn't just today that you were able to take a bite of food and have that sustain you. But that it will be forever in His presence alongside this man whose voice you will hear at the beginning of the resurrection saying, Come and experience My grace and My glory more fully. Come and see like you've never seen before. Amen.